We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! The old one has hit the deep right. Could be a salami way back, and it is gone. A grand slam, and there's nobody out, and it's four. Nothing Indy. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is hit and run right here with you, your venerable Sunday morning baseball show. I know we have tremendous amounts to discuss and have for the last two hours about the locals, the disappointing White Sox. Um, the Cubs who play hard and might just be ready to turn a corner heading into next season. We will see. We have discussed. We will discuss a little bit more before we get out of here at 12. But I was fortunate enough to meet this man earlier in the year in the broadcast booth down in Indianapolis at Victory Field. Um, and the Indianapolis Indians broadcaster, Howard Kelman, joins me right now on 670 The Score, joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Howard, thank you so much for the time. How are you today? Matt, I'm doing great, and I hope that you are too, and it's great to be on the air with you. Oh, nice to have you. Um, would you please, as a way of starting, there's something newsworthy that I want to talk about with you, but... As a way of starting, tell people how it began for you in 1973, I think, is when you were in college and borrowed that booth and told me that story. Would you tell that to the audience, please? Sure. I was going to Brooklyn College in New York. I had done my first broadcasting, broadcast St. John's University basketball games during the 72-73 season. And by the way, this is before the Big East, so... Uh, St. John's was very important, but not the way it was 10 years later And those games. Anyway, uh, I wrote a letter to George Steinbrenner, who had just bought the Yankees, and I told him about my aspirations to become a baseball broadcaster, and he said he let me use vacant broadcast booths. Not a lot of games were on television back then. Some were, but, oh, at least a, a third of them were not. So anyway... Uh, 
I got an inning from a Yankee Red Sox game. Frank Messer, the Yankee announcer, one of the announcers, and he and Phil Rizzuto and Bill White would always come over and say hello to me when I was practicing my play-by-play. But Frank said, just send him an inning. So I got an inning of a Yankee Red Sox game. It was a Thursday night in September 73. Thurman Munson knocked in a run, so I had a little action. I then wrote 110 letters to every minor league baseball team in the fall of 73. Of the 110 letters, and I say approximately 110, there were 25 answers. I was a bit naive, Matt. I thought the letters were being lost in the mail is why I didn't hear from more more people. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, <laughs> there were three openings. Spokane had one. They were interested in me. Indianapolis had one in Albuquerque. And I got the Indianapolis job, and it's been wonderful, and I've been here ever since. And uh, – you know, this is my 46th season, so it's still a lot of fun. Every day at the ballpark is wonderful, and I enjoy the journey thoroughly. That's a, it's an amazing, amazing story, and the fact that you have been the broadcaster for Indianapolis, your 46th season is just is, is just staggering. Um, such a pro. You uh, were kind enough to have me sit in for an inning or an inning and a half or a couple half innings, whatever it was, when I was there a few weeks back. Um, you're so smooth and so comfortable. Who were who were the play-by-play broadcasters that you have admired the most in your time, well, Howard? When I, when I was a kid growing up, Mel Allen and Phil Rizzuto, the two Yankee announcers, were my heroes. Uh, I met each of them, never got to know them well, but I was able to tell them how much they meant to me. Uh, and then in basketball, I was a big fan of Marv Albert, and he was very nice to me. I met him during my college days, and he introduced me to Marty Glickman, who was the best football announcer, radio football announcer I've ever heard. And Marty was also a great basketball announcer. Marty was a mentor to me and went out of his way to help me. In fact, when I filled in on the White Sox broadcast in 1984, Marty had called Eddie Einhorn about me and recommended me to him. And then Ernie Harwell became a mentor as well, the legendary voice of the Detroit Tigers. We actually met in 1981 during the strike, the baseball strike. During that strike, Matt, a number of major league teams were broadcasting their AAA affiliates games. That did not take place in 1994, but it did take place in 1981. In fact, in 1981, on July 4th, we had... The Indianapolis Indians broadcast was me, the Evansville Triplets broadcast, uh, and we had a broadcast with Paul Carey and Ernie Harwell of the Tigers, Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxhall of the Reds, and ESPN. So we had five originating broadcasts on July 4th, 1981 during the baseball strike. Wow. That's that's amazing. And. So, so in these years at Indianapolis, um, I know it is now the Pirates AAA. It used to be the Cincinnati Reds AAA. Was it also the Expos in there? What has been the, the run? Right. The run, and actually it was the White Sox. The last time we had an American League parent club, the White Sox from 1962 to 67, wow. Cincinnati 1968 to 83, Montreal, 1984 to 92. Cincinnati, again, 1993 to 99. Milwaukee from 2000 to 2004. And as you said, ever since 2005, Pittsburgh. Wow. So that's why the players that you have had a chance to broadcast and see develop before your eyes, see them battle what young baseball players battle. 
Um, I, the list is unbelievable because it's from all those teams. The first one I think of is Randy Johnson because it blows me away. The idea of seeing him in AAA is something. But but throw throw some names around for people so they can understand who you've had a chance to broadcast. Well, you mentioned Randy, and he went on to have the greatest success of any Indianapolis Indian during my time. He's one of the greatest pitchers of all time, five Cy Young Awards. Now, he was here all of 1988, and for a short time in 89 when the Expos traded him to Seattle, and, and that was around Memorial Day weekend. We were in Rochester, actually. It was a Saturday. And then on that same 1989 team was Larry Walker. So we had two Hall of Famers play on the 1989 Indianapolis Indians. Now, there have been a lot of terrific opposing players. Matt, the first game I ever broadcast in Indianapolis, which was April 20th, 1974, the Omaha Royals had a young third baseman named George Brett. <laughs> and boy, and not only was he such a great player, but he played with such passion and such heart. Then in 1986, the Iowa Cubs had a young pitcher named Greg Maddox. And that same year, the Cincinnati Reds had a young shortstop in Denver, Denver Zephyrs, Barry Larkin. So those are some Hall of Famers who played against the Indianapolis Indians. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I, and, and along the way, Howard, has has the full-time MLB role been the dream? Was it the dream? Did it stop being the dream? How has that lived for you personally, if you don't, if you don't mind me asking? No, sure. It was my goal, and in the 1980s, I was very close with several major league teams, very close, just didn't get the break. And then in 1990, I started announcing the high school football and basketball game of the week on TV in central Indiana. And, you know, I said, wait a minute now. I have I work for great people. I broadcast baseball, basketball, and football. There's no need to leave. I'm doing so well here. And for 19 years, 19, 20 years, I didn't look at anything. Hmm. And a few teams had reached out, not with with offers, but just reaching out as a feeler. And then around 2007 or 8, I announced the AAA World Series in 06, 07, 08, and on ESPN got a lot of nice comments. In 2008, I put my name out there, but it was a little too late, I think, at that time. You know, I was up for a couple of jobs, but nothing materialized. Just for a couple of years, I put it out there. But I have a great situation here, have always worked for great people, and I'm very fortunate. And I still do announce, by the way, the high school football and basketball game of the week, and I give speeches around the state and around the country. So everything has gone very well for me in Indianapolis. It sounds like it, Howard. And some of the benefits of being in one place for as long as you've been. You know people. You've, you, 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 you've, you have a, you've met and have a, have a wife, right? I mean, like you've, you've built an entire life there over these 46 years, of course. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I first bought a condo in 1993, got married in 2005, and we bought a house, which we still live in, which is terrific. And you're exactly right, Matt, exactly. And I love the city. People have been very kind to me. And by the way, not only people here, but when this thing with the Yankees was announced, and I, I guess you were going to get to it. I, yes. Forgive me for jumping the gun. That's all right. But the, the reaction and response on social media has been overwhelming, has been so incredibly nice and supportive. Well, here's what's happening. With John Sterling taking off plenty of time here in the second half of the season, the Yankees, uh, the flagship broadcast on our sister station, WFAN, have been reaching out to different people to fill in. And Howard Kelman, my guest right now, who has called about 6,600 AAA baseball games, 
will call a Yankees game along with Susan Waldman. Yankees at Tampa Bay. That's a real rivalry in the middle of a real pennant race, a real pennant drive for both of those teams. And, Howard, you get to do a Yankee game. I'm thrilled for you. I can't imagine how excited you must be. Well, I am, Matt, and it's very nice of you to say that. It'll be this Friday, Friday, September 2nd. I have not been to Tropicana Field, so I'll look forward to going there. I'm told the broadcast vantage point is good. In fact, most of them are pretty good around MLB from what I'm told, but I know Pittsburgh is not that good. You're very high up. In fact, George Grand, who broadcasts for the Reds and the Yankees, Cardinals, a number of teams, said to me yesterday, he said, when Joe Nuxall and I – Joe was broadcasting the Reds on radio. When Joe Nuxall and I walked into the Pittsburgh broadcast booth at PNC for the first time, Joe looked at me and said, I'm in trouble. (laughs) So so your vantage point is very important. Oh, that's tremendous. Um, Howard, just so thrilled for you. All right. I, I love to throw trivia questions at you. What was one of the great evenings um, that I've had this year was, was talking some baseball trivia with you. I've got one for you, okay? Okay. All right. So there are five players who have joined the Yankees after having a 50 home run season somewhere else. So it's very common that the Yankees would go out and get a big power hitter, maybe a little past his prime. Five players have had 50 home run seasons somewhere else and then joined the Yankees. Anything come to mind? John Carlos Stanton's one of them. Sure is. Uh, You know, I thought you were going to say Aaron Judge may be the fifth Yankee to hit 50 in a season, by the way. Oh, wow. But uh, John Carlos Stanton comes to mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think Alex Rodriguez hit 50 before he joined the Yankees, did he? He sure did. That's two. Okay, so that's two. Well done. Uh, let me think for a minute. What era are the other ones? One, one you got to go go way back. Um, Big Cat. Oh, Johnny Mize. Johnny Mize. Is- and by the way, Matt, Johnny Mize is the only player to hit 50 or more home runs in a season and strike out fewer than 50 times. Ah, you told me that. 19, yeah. Which he did in 1947 with the Giants. And so, and he was, with the Yankees, he was a pinch hitter mainly. Yeah. And, uh, but he, Casey Stengel would send guys up to the on-deck, send them up to the on-deck circles, even when he wasn't going to use them, just to try to intimidate the opposition. Yeah. All right. So good. So, so there are two others. There are two others. Yep. What one you don't think of as a Yankee? He was a great Atlanta Brave, and then got to the Yankees uh, very late. And you don't even think of him as a home run hitter, but we should as a center fielder. Andrew Jones, wow. Andrew Jones, and that okay. it, it never. I don't think I think of him as a center fielder. I don't think of him hitting fifty home runs. And see, he was a great outfielder. Yes, he was. Wow. Yes, he was. I don't think of him as hitting fifty in a season. And, and the one, the fifth one played. Yeah, the the fifth one played in the in the late eighties and the nineties, and then his son played um, similar power profile and first baseman. His son played later on. Hmm. What team, what team did he come from? Detroit hit 50 with the Tigers. Cecil Fielder. Cecil Fielder, Andrew Jones, Alex Rodriguez, Giancarlo Stanton, and Johnny Mize. See, though, Cecil Fielder and Andrew Jones, you don't think of them as being Yankees, you know. Right. You, don't, you think of them with the other teams, but the other guys you certainly do. Yep. Uh, so, well, I'll give you one. I think there are three men 
who have won the MVP with two different teams. Mm. There may be more, but I'm pretty sure it's only three. Mm. Well, Frank Robinson did it in both leagues, so that's good. He's the only man to do that, win it in both leagues, Cincinnati, 1961, Baltimore, 1966. Um, Barry Bonds do it with two teams? He sure did. Mm -hmm. He did it with the Pirates and Giants both. Boy, and then, boy, that's good. This is a good one, Howard. And then there's a third guy who won MVP with two different teams. I'm pretty sure he did. I, I hadn't double-checked in a while, but I'm pretty sure he did. I'm sure you're right. What, and and what? we mentioned him a couple of minutes ago. We did? Oh, boy. Alex Rodriguez. I think so, yes. Okay. That's that's. That's terrific. Oh, man. All right. I, I, I feel good about Frank Robinson. Um, Howard, this has been good for me. Thank you so much for coming on. Thrilled to get to, get to know you a little bit. And congrats again. Going to find a way to, uh, to listen on Friday night, radio on WFAN, you and Susan Waldman doing the Yankees and the Rays. Enjoy. Matt, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on with you. You got it. That's Howard Kelman, the fine broadcaster for the Indianapolis Indians. Woof. Man. We'll, we'll double-check that one. I mean, Howard's brain is outrageous and phenomenal, as you can tell. But we'll double-check just to be sure. Chris Kamka will tie the room together at around 11.40 or so. It's time for the Cubs to do something that uh, is being done around the league. Uh, we'll discuss that next and uh, – Continue some of the fallout from some of the White Sox conversation that has been happening. If you want to hop in, you've been a caller, you've been waiting. Now's a good moment at 312-644. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 6767. Phone lines are open right here on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. One out to center, Alec Thomas trying to chase this one down, and Alec Thomas has got it! A rolling catch in right center, and there's one for Mount Carmel. You think he's familiar with this outfield? Shaggin flies as a teenager, it just paid off right there. He's probably done that dozens of times since he was just a little tyke. Right? The 2-2, swung on, deep shot right center, Thomas on his horse, oh my goodness, what a catch from Alec Thomas! No way!
full extension tumbling dive on the warning track. And he hauls it in, and the White Sox do not score. We're just saying, what a great defense. Diamondbacks have. Alec Thomas, the 22-year-old center fielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks, is a phenomenal defensive center fielder. Uh, as a member of the Amarillo Sod Poodles last year, he played in the All-Star Futures game, was promoted to the Reno Aces last year, and then hit very well, really in both places. And that prompted a call-up to uh, the Diamondbacks. And uh, right now, you know, um, Alec Thomas is a center fielder on a bad team, showcasing the tremendous defense that he showcased the other night. Um, and he's not having a great offensive year. He is a rookie. At age 22, he's played 92 big league games. So, obviously, there's lots of possibilities there. Um, Very interesting when you consider how he grew up and where he matriculated, say, high school, which would be Mount Carmel. And what his father was doing, which would be the head athletic trainer for the Chicago White Sox, Alan Thomas. And Alan Thomas let go last year by the White Sox. Alec grew up hanging around that ballpark. And had a really fun interview yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse. Fun and then interesting as well. The fun part was him talking about people who were great to him and, like, helped helped him, you know, learn baseball and be comfortable. And people who uh, liked having him around and, and, and would, you know, help him feel comfortable shagging fly balls in the outfield during BP. And he would make big-time diving plays as a kid out there in the outfield. And there he is in this very same ballpark making two great plays on Friday night. And Alec Thomas uh, mentioned Jose Abreu as a guy who was kind to him when he was a kid, which will make you feel old. He also mentioned Jim Tomey and other folks like that. And then there was an expectation, there was a dream that maybe he would be drafted by the White Sox. and. Alec drafted, I believe, in the second round. Um, Yes, second round of the 2018 draft, um, a draft during which the White Sox took Steel Walker, the outfielder who has now bounced around, been DFA'd a couple different places. And the White Sox used to have a thing where they drafted relatives a lot, like a lot. There were a bunch that, that got drafted, and some of them wouldn't work out, and then they would be... There'd be cries of nepotism and like, what are you doing here? But a baseball draft is really long. And when they take, you know, somebody in the 35th or 40th round, that's, uh, you know, it's often a throwaway pick. Not always, but sometimes. I guess that, that was the thought process. Alec Thomas getting ready for the draft of that year in 2018 said that his father had been told this by the White Sox. Um, I think uh, some of the, you know, White Sox crew, you know, took my dad side and said hey like we're not drafting your son we're we're done uh taking you know family members um as draft picks so um you know i knew that they weren't going to pick me in in any spot and um but i mean it still felt kind of weird whenever you know they took an outfielder um in the second round and you know i thought i was better than but um you know it's it's a it's a business you know it's a part of it um you know, it still rubbed me the wrong way. You know, it's just, just use it as a chip on my shoulder. So, um, you know, another reason, you know, to go out there and, you know, show them that, you know, you guys made the wrong decision. So, 
um, you know, I just use it as fuel, you know. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's a business, but, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. That's a very mature 22-year-old trying to talk his way through that. And I got to tell you, deciding just simply not to draft family is kind of like deciding just to draft family. It's arbitrary. It is, it is, it is as our, not hiring family as a rule is as arbitrary as hiring family as a rule. Like that's not, that's not how the process is supposed to work. Is player good? Can player help me? Uh, I understand that you can end up with some difficult inside situations, I suppose. And, you know, you you don't want to you know, worry about a training staff and maybe it's uncomfortable if you ever had to let him go, which they did, as it turned out. That would have been a little awkward last year when Alec is coming up in AAA and you're letting his father go. But uh, grown people can handle those sort of things. It just... It seems to me to be not the greatest process just to have that arbitrary rule. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I understand because I, I and others will call out the White Sox for these insidious kind of incestuous things. And then here's one time where they make a hard, fast rule not to be insidious and incestuous. And here I am calling it out. I just I, I, I think it's pretty arbitrary. Like if you told me that you were going to hire somebody because he's really good. Okay. All right. Kenny Williams Jr. might be in charge of the developmental system if Chris gets uh, gets promoted or leaves the team in some way. You know, so you your your family is hireable some places but not other places. And this uh this is a miss cuz even if Alec Thomas does not end up being a great major leaguer, he's a damn good defensive center fielder and he's a major leaguer right now and that would have some value then maybe would you be worried about trading him because it presents all those things? Maybe that's the dynamic that they just wanted to stay away from. Just to me, it seems kind of arbitrary. 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with. Shifting gears to another guest on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday, Nico Horner, who's having a great year, establishing himself as a piece of the Cubs' present and future, and was asked about his openness to sign an extension, one of those preemptive extensions that have become all the rage in MLB. Um, And he was asked about maybe Ian Happ signing one before he becomes a free agent at the end of next year, and, of course, as well, about himself. Yeah, I mean, it's been been definitely been a hot topic. Um, You know, selfishly, I would love for Ian to sign a a massive contract extension and be around because I really love playing baseball with him. (laughs) But, uh, and personally, you know, the... You know, that's contract talk is more something I would keep personal, but um, you know, playing playing for the Cubs is an incredibly attractive thing. I think being here from um, some of these tougher seasons through our next great team and, and next World Series championship would be one of the most satisfying things you could do in a career. I think it'd be incredible with the fan base that we have and the relationships you'd build along the way. And um, yeah, I think you know, being a Cub is not a not a hard sell at all. So. Um, yeah, I love it here. I'm gonna yeah, go by day by day. There's so much, so much to do in the meantime. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome seeing young players get get what they want and what they deserve. So 
thought that was interesting because in there he says, you know, being a part of things here and when things are down and then eventually being part of the next great team and a World Series would be one of the most satisfying things you could do in a career. That's a really interesting way to think about your career. What would be satisfying? Go and joining somewhere else? Um, you know, having some good years, then leaving and making the most money? No, he's thinking about for life. What would be satisfying? It's an interesting, thoughtful perspective, I thought. To the phone lines we go. Ben is in Queens on 670 The Score. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? I promise there will be nothing insidious nor incestuous about this phone call. Excellent. Uh, listen, listen, I wanted to piggyback on something that you were talking about as far as like an overhaul with the White Sox about bringing someone in from the outside. And that's what the Cubs did, and that's what I absolutely love. Absolutely, There's something about Carter Hawkins I want to talk about. In the 15 years he was in Cleveland, seven of those years, a homegrown pitcher, and by homegrown I mean either drafted or traded for and tweaked and made their debut with the Cleveland organization. Uh, seven of those 15 years, they led the team in war. Now, if you look at it, if I want to, you look at what those, what they did with those pitchers and how they traded for them. So if you have CC Sabathia in this first year, so okay, Carter Hawkins, this is what we do. He leads the team in war. They ended up trading him 10 years later for three people and a player named later. One of those players was Michael Brantley. Okay, Cliff Lee in 2008, he leads the team in war. He got traded thrown for Bartolo Colon, who they originally signed. In that deal, they also got Grady Sizemore, who led the team in war in 2005 and 2006. Okay, and Cliff Lee, they end up trading for Carlos Carrasco, who ends up leading the team in war in 15. And he was, uh, uh, he debuted also with the Indians. Then you have Corey Kluber, okay? Corey Kluber, led the team in war in 14, 16, and 17. And then they ended up trading him for Emmanuel Classe, one of the best arms in, 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 in Major League Baseball. And then Shane Beaver in 2020. You know how many pitchers, homegrown pitchers, the Cubs uh, led the team in war from 2007 to 2021? I'll tell you, zero. The last one was Carlos Zambrano in 2006. Hmm. So I absolutely love it. And if you look, for example, Ben Brown and Wisniewski, Ben Brown is at seven on the new uh, prospect list. With Nicky is 12. Killian's was all the way down to 14. He was in the top five. If that doesn't tell you the difference with Carter Hawkins, oh, by the way, Kate Horton is number four. I love what the Cubs are doing. I am the number one optimist. I will remain the number one optimist. I love it. Love you, Spigs. I'm out. Play ball. Thanks, Ben. Um, that's fun stuff. That's Ben doing the research and talking about Carter Hawkins and the way that Cleveland drafts and develops pitchers. They are always ready to trade Mike Clevenger, knowing that Tristan McKenzie is available and coming. They are ready to trade Corey Kluber, knowing that Shane Bieber is capable of what he ended up doing. They've got one after another after another. And if you could ever do such things, is there anything more valuable? Anything more valuable in baseball than to be able to produce your own like that? No, especially starters. I don't, I don't think there's anything more valuable. Because then... You can spend elsewhere. Uh, then you, I mean, it's its just unbelievable, their ability to do that. Just just freaking remarkable. Well, it's funny how that's kind of flipped a little bit, right? Because it used to be you buy pitchers and you develop hitters. Well, no. that, that, that was the thought process uh, for Theo. Like, we'll spend money on pitching because they didn't believe that, that they could do it. Um, and they weren't, they weren't able to do it. But, I mean, look, if, if, if you can find a way to do it like the Rays have, 
like uh, you know, uh, like like Cleveland has. There's nothing more valuable in an organization than that, especially if it's top of the rotation stuff. My God, nothing. This is Patrick in New Buffalo, Michigan, on six seventy. The score. Hello, Patrick. Well, hello. I didn't know you were going to take my call. Thank you. Of course. Uh, I uh, I just have a few observations about the White Sox this year. And uh, I'll start off by saying I'm 75. And uh, I was a big Detroit Tigers fan throughout my lifetime until they sold off their roster about five years ago. And then I switched and found the White Sox entertaining. And I've seen every game uh, on television, live or delayed, in five years. So I've been following the team now for five years. And a comment I would make in the limited time I'm going to have with this call is that, frankly, I don't think the White Sox are that good right now. And uh, I don't know why we have these expectations. Uh, you know, you look at somebody like Grandall, like, please, you know, I mean, I think he's at the bottom of the list in the American League. Uh, why are we running him out there? Why are we playing him? Why is Lurie out there all the time playing? I know I'm among thousands who are asking that question about Lurie. And uh, just from top to bottom, we don't really have that good of a team right now. And uh, I think Giolito's been exposed. I mean, he's throwing a 93-mile-an-hour fastball, and his second pitch is a changeup. And you can't be successful with a changeup in the mid-'80s when you're throwing a fastball about 93 miles an hour. And finally, the team is just not joyful to watch right now. I mean, I like to watch Vaughn, and I like to watch Sheets. And I'd put Sheets in right field and put Vaughn in left field and work with them. You know, they're going to be, they're decent outfielders. They're not great. They're not going to win a gold glove, but they're smart enough and savvy enough to play those positions. If you put them out there every day and work with them that way, maybe keep Luis in center field, but he's got to step it up over the next two years. Uh, I, I just think he reminds me of your solo or Abby Garcia. I mean, he might have a lot of great potential, but I'm beginning to think he's not going to live up to it. Mm-hmm. Mankata should be gone. Uh, Eloy, I thought that Paz in the postgame show last night made a, a very fascinating comment or insightful about Eloy when he thought he hit the home run. He's carrying the bat down to first base. So how does he know that's going to be a home run? It wasn't hit 475 feet. So he should have been hustling around those bases. And that's what you see in teams like Baltimore and Arizona and these younger teams. I want to see a team full of bonds and sheets right now. I want to see Jake Berger at third base, and I want somebody to work with him and hit him a thousand ground balls every day hmm. to his right side in the off season. He has that kind of work ethic, and we know he can hit. So, I mean, let's just give us give us the fans a fresh team, of course, with a new manager, a new coaching staff at first and third base, and hitting particularly, and let us enjoy the season again. I mean, I, I found I watched six games of the Baltimore Orioles on TV. You know what? I like the team. Yeah, I might even even subscribe to MLB next year just so I can watch the the Orioles play because they're exciting. They were fun. They go all out. Hey, Patrick, thank you. Thank you for the call, Patrick. Um, Thank you for the passion, and I'm glad we took the call. Um, Next week, we're going to spend some time uh, on the last hit and run. That's next Sunday morning. We'll spend some time talking about which teams you're going to follow in September and into the playoffs and which ones you're hoping to watch and enjoy. So maybe for Patrick, it's Baltimore. Um, I know for me, I've got a couple others, and I'm sure you do as well. But that was beautiful. I love the preamble, the, the, the bona fides that he offered, you know, and then 
the big reveal of his thought, I just don't think they're very good right now. He nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. It's hit and run. Matt Spiegel here with you up until the top of the hour. Chris Kampka, the best, the Sultan of Stat, ties the room together next on The Score. to get Cam connected around these parts. Who wouldn't, really? Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, joins us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Chris, hello. Howdy. I, I have a question. Yes, that, sir. That stat the other night in the White Sox-Orioles game most home runs by a player with R-U-T at the beginning of their name. Um, and Babe Ruth was first in a shock to no one. Adley Rutschman was, I believe, third. Uh, was yep. there was there a Rutledge in the middle? Yep, Josh Rutledge. Josh Rutledge, yeah. Is that you? Do you, have, do you is, does that have your fingerprints all over it, sir? Yeah, yeah, it was me. Yeah, that's that's the kind of ridiculous and useless information that I need to perk up a baseball broadcast. So thank you, sir. That is God's work you are doing. Look, we're here to inform and entertain. <laughs> but then I saw on your Twitter account this incredible stat about Adley Rutschman's a few days older, a few days old now, I guess two days, but walk leaders in the American League since the 4th of July – Aaron Judge is second. Adley Rutschman is first. He's incredible, isn't he? It's a guy who didn't even start the season in the majors. And so that's amazing. Yes. Yes. I, I, I completely agree. He's a wonderful, wonderful player. Um, it's almost like they knew it, which is why they took him first overall. Um, whatever, what do you have for us today, sir, on the White Sox and then on the Cubs? All right. Well, the White Sox. The player I'm watching in the next couple of days is going to be Andrew Vaughn, and I'll tell you why. He's got four homers this month, and no White Sox player is yet to have five home runs in the calendar month. They're the only team in the majors that hasn't had a five-homer month by any player, which is just part of this endless, puzzling, homerless thing that they've been doing. Even the Tigers who are dead last in the majors with 75 homers, have two five-homer months by Jamer Candelario. Wow. Not a single five-home run month by any player. The Sox haven't had that over an entire season since 1968. Oh, my God. Which is a famous year for offenses. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was, because that's – that's Bob Gibson with the 1.12 ERA. It's Denny McLean with 31-6. and six. It's Carl Yastrzemski winning the American League batting title with a 301 batting average and the eventual lowering of the mound. And I'll tell you what, Hawk Harrelson led the American League in RBI that year. How about that? <laughs> How about that? How about that? Uh, they had 13 months of five homers last year. So 13 times a player had five or more homers in a month last year. So look at the count, you know. Look at the contrast. Yeah. It's crazy. It, yeah, it is crazy. It changes everything. Eloy, um, with the bat in his hand as he, as he ran all the way to first, thinking that one was gone, saw Gavin Sheets' quote after the game about that Eloy near game-tying home run. He said, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. It's crazy. We all thought that was gone. I don't know what's happening. Players still whispering about the ball? 
You know, and the more I see of it lately, especially with that Loy home near Homer yesterday, yeah, I thought of the ball too because he, it looked like he got it. Yeah, it it it, it really did. It was a it was a big time surprise. But you know, um, God, that would be insidious. That would really be insidious if uh, those in the um, commissioner's office trying to dictate a change in style really were to mess up some teams well, like this. Sure. I, and I know, I know Aaron judge has a ton of power and I know Yankee stadium has a short porch, but he has 49 homers and nobody over here has more than 14. I, I don't think it's all just a, you know, it's not just approach. It's just really fishy to me in a way. Well, um, it's uh, at least some of it is approach. And then what you got on the on the north side? Ian Happ with two hits the other night. Both of them were two run homers, and, uh, yeah. and and that's that's the only time that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah only time for a Cub. Um, so I went back. I'm like, well, how many people have done this at all? And it, and since 1901, I found five instances. Wow. Um, now they weren't all wins. The last time the player had. Multiple homers accounting for his team's only hits in the game was Evan Gaddis back in 2013 for the Braves. They lost. The last player to do it in a win was Manny Ramirez for Cleveland, July 3rd, 1998. Now, July 3rd, 1998, and the catcher that game was Sandy Alomar. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, The time before that was July 3rd, 1975. For the Yankees, it was Bobby Bonds at Cleveland. And the Yankees' second baseman that day was Sandy Alomar Sr. <laughs> so you have the same date, July 3rd, for both. And you have Sandy Alomar, one of the Sandy Alomars in each one of those games, two consecutive instances. I mean, this is why I make these lists. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, and, that's almost as good as Josh Rutledge being between Babe Ruth and Adley Rutschman right there. And, but So that makes Ian Happ the first national leaguer to do this with multiple home runs accounting for his team's only hits in the game in a win first national leaguer to do this in a win since Henry Aaron wow. of the Braves wow. on Ju- June 20th, 1962, it was a shortened six inning game, but he did it two hits for the Braves. They won three to two. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. There's nobody like you, Chris. And, uh, and I love you for it. Thanks, man. Have a wonderful day. You too, Spigs. All right. That's Chris Kampka joining us right there. I want to thank producer Sean Sears, associate producer Ruben Spiegel. Um, how did everything go uh, today? How did everything go with uh, the callers? Um, it was okay. Yeah? I heard there was one caller who didn't get through. Uh, he, he didn't want to come on? Um, well, he did kind of want to come on. And but either way, I wouldn't have let him come on. What, what were his thoughts? Um, he said... Um, his thoughts were that the Cubs were being like dumb or something for changing the lineup or trying to trade. Yeah. Um, and he said that you and and he said that you were dumb. Yeah. And that you should just stick to your music career uh-huh. and forget about sports entirely. Oh, really? Yes. He just he just <laughs> that guy was stupid. I. Um, <laughs> No way he's going on. I was about to tell him that I was your son. You could have told him if you wanted to. But thank you for doing an excellent job of call screening. You're welcome. Not Real professional over here. He handles the calls well, man. There we go. Thank you, Sean. 
All right, another successful Sunday in the books. One more hit and run next week. Well, what do we got next? We got Cody Decker. Oh, we're actually doing a best of replay. So we're going to do a uh, Pat Hughes from Thursday with Moline Hall, and then it'll be Nico from yesterday and inside the clubhouse. I apologize. So that's very cool. Pat Hughes with Moline Hall after being named to the Cubs Hall of Fame, and then Nico from yesterday on inside the clubhouse, and then Cubs and Brewers. At 12.35, that will be the pregame. 110 is your first pitch. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much to our guests, Howard Kelman, Brian Garza, Chris Kampka. Thank you to you, the callers, the texters, the listeners. Appreciate you. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.